I'm Dave Breckenridge, and you're listening to 10-3. Recent court cases on the prairies have raised the issue of gun culture and rural crime across Canada. But for many farmers and ranchers, a firearm is not seen as a tool for self-defense, but a part of the way of life out in the country. We look at what rural residents have to say about gun culture, the rural-urban divide and attitudes when it comes to firearms, and whether there are concerns about safety on the farm. It's Tuesday, November 27th. Before we get to our conversation, I want to tell you about the series coming from Regina Leader Post and the Saskatoon right. Star Phoenix on this very issue. Oh, good hit. <laughs> It's a, a tool, just like any other tool we use on the on the ranch. Um, but like Firing Lines explores gun culture, how criminals are getting their hands on firearms, the difference in attitudes between Canada and the United States, and much more. Check out leaderpost.com and thestarphoenix.com. Mark Melichuk is a reporter with the Regina Leader Post, and he's been working on their Lines of Fire series, looking at gun culture in Saskatchewan. So... Mark, your piece about rural residents is part of this broader series in which your newsrooms look at guns and gun culture in Saskatchewan. What drove this reporting? I think it was a mix of uh, the Gerald Stanley trial, which, you know, we'll get into later, uh, which was a major event in this province, uh, discussion around rural crime, and also the level of gun violence, which we've seen an increase of in in our cities, like in Regina and Saskatoon. And our editor-in-chief, Heather Person, is someone who comes, you know, she lives in Saskatoon now, but she comes from a rural background. And I think she thought it would be good to take a look at what the gun culture is like in Saskatchewan from, I guess, a rural and an enthusiast perspective, because I think a lot of people make the assumptions that gun culture here is exactly the same as, say, gun culture in the U.S., which, you know, obviously isn't the case. Mm-hmm. The Missoula Gun Show was founded in 1955. It's Montana's oldest annual gun show. This is an event. Look at our parking lot. It's just completely jammed full. There's just thousands of people coming here to enjoy the show. I feel we're very, very fortunate in the United States and we have the Second Amendment. And, you know, it contributes to our public safety and health and freedom. And uh, you've got gun collectors in Canada just like you do here, except more of them have to do it illegally because of your laws. We wanted, I guess, just educate people on what role guns play in rural life. Like, you know, obviously gun crime's a thing, but it's also has a pretty deep-rooted role in people who, you know, ranch, people who even are just living, people, you know, hunting's huge in this province here, right? That kind of thing. So I think it was just, just to give people a good picture of what the culture around guns is like in Saskatchewan, and maybe it's not necessarily what they think it is, if maybe they're living in a city or they're looking at it from outside the province. Right, but just because living on a rural property doesn't automatically make someone a gun nut or a gun enthusiast right no and i think that's something that i you know i definitely took away from the people i talked to who a lot of the people i talked to for the story who most of them are ranchers uh you know aren't really gun enthusiasts they have like they might have a few guns because a lot of people inherit them 
but they're not, they're not, a lot of them weren't even hunters. Hmm. Like they're just not into it. You know, they're not even, there was one guy I talked to who, who is more of an enthusiast, uh, you know, who likes to do target shooting and stuff like that. But a lot of the people, they just have it. And kind of the comparison I would draw for people is, you know, just cause you, I have a car, but I'm not like, I'm not a gearhead, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm not really obsessed with uh souping up my vehicle like you know like my buddy who's got a subaru impreza and treats it like his baby you know i just use it to get from a mm-hmm. to b which is kind of like it is for people who own guns you know they it's like needing a car it's like needing a tractor and that's kind of just how they view it they don't it's not really a hobby to them they don't have like you know they're not like a big collector there are some people who are like that but yeah like it's not a big deal for people, I guess is just the way I could put it. Yeah. You spoke to a handful of rural residents about the role they play in kind of their rural way of life. And, and one of the takeaways I had was it, you know, it just seems like another tool that a lot of them are using, uh, not even a day to day thing, but as, as needed Firing. on their farm or their ranch. There, good hit. There. What would be the most accurate way to describe where we are right now? Like where where we're located about? Cypress Hills. Cypress Hills. Okay. You know why do you need to have a gun around here? Um, protect my livestock from predators is the number one concern. Uh, coyotes coming in the yard, cougars coming in the yard. Um, we don't always have problems, but when you do, we need to be able to look out. For a lot of people have ATVs on you know, on the, uh, on their farm, but they're not necessarily going out doing massive cross country ATV rallies, right? It's just something, just something there to move stuff around. Uh, you know, use wise, a lot of it is, I'm going to say coyotes cause I'm from Ontario, but I know it's coyote out here. Um, <laughs> a lot of it is, uh, uh, so I'm just going to use that. I know people probably will laugh at me for it. Uh, a lot of it is coyotes. Uh, you know, if you've got cattle, that's a concern for people. Uh, you might not even necessarily need to use it all the time. A lot of people I talked to said, yeah, maybe. Oh, another big one I should mention is gophers. There's no shortage of gophers out there. And that can be a real problem for people. It can be a problem for ranchers if, uh, if say, like, you know, they, uh, their leg gets broken, mm-hmm. if they step into the gopher hole, and then you might have to put the, the like, the, the cattle down, right? Because uh, just to put it out of its misery, uh, which is something that, you know, again, is another use for them, is euthanizing animals. Um, you know, people out there, they're not near, you know, calling animal, animal control isn't exactly an option for them, you know? So, yeah, gophers is a huge one because that's a real big problem, not just for ranchers, but also for people who, uh, you know, who grow crops, too. Yeah. Um, and maybe just to give a smaller scale example, one, you know, one gentleman I talked to who just grows like a vegetable garden for himself, uh, you know, had a, had an issue with deer coming into his, his garden one year and, you know, would go out what he didn't have to kill the dealer, just wanted to scare them away and would fire. I can't remember. It's kind of like rubber bullets that people have. He just kind of would fire it over their heads. Wasn't even concerned about hitting them just to ward them off, you know? Okay. So, uh, but yeah, like, coyotes and uh and uh gophers is a is definitely a concern for people now the people that you talk with do they feel that firearms are being unfairly maligned or or just are misunderstood i think 
I, I, I think some people, some people actually weren't that concerned about it. Uh, some people, it, it really depends on the type of person you talk to. Some people definitely are like, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to really say everyone is or everyone isn't. I think it's kind of a mix. You know, I think some people who have relatives who live in Saskatchewan cities think, oh, they know, you know, they've got uncles who farm and everything like that. They know they, they've got a lot of people in cities who have rural roots. And I think other people do feel that like, yeah, people don't understand that this is a, a tool that's used, you know, I think uh, uh, some people also who lived rural were also smart to, I, I thought they made a good point of saying to me, like people in the city probably don't even realize there's tons of people who even in cities are gun owners who probably own a gun for hunting you know, but you're never going to hear about those people really. Cause if they're, you know what I mean? Like we don't write about, mm. we're not writing breaking news stories about all the legal gun owners all the time. Right. You know, like, so I, I think they do feel, I think some people do feel that way that it's, it's because people in the cities are probably, you know, you're probably only reading about guns when it's gun crime. And I think maybe they're worried that people are kind of forgetting that it's, you know, the, their their perspective like one way one guy put it is they're vetted they're very vetted people right you know they have to do all these background checks to own them and everything like that they don't they're like we're not the problem mm -hmm. you know like we're shooting coyotes when they come into our yard every once in a while so you know to say that there's urban versus rural tension out here would be an understatement you know i'm sure we'll get into that a little later like and i think you know just in general there's I think there's a feeling of going both ways, you know, they don't understand us, we don't understand them, you know, like, and I, I think they really do feel that, yeah, like, I'm probably just rambling a little bit right now. But yeah, I think they do feel that there is people probably don't realize the role they play day to day. So that they don't realize how essential of a tool it is. It's, that's the impression I got. Yeah. And, and while guns are seen as a, a tool for protection against predatory animals or gophers, uh, some people also view guns as a weapon of self-defense, especially that's one of the big arguments that you hear coming out of the U.S., uh, the NRA and, and people like that say, oh, we need these guns to defend my family and my property. Uh, what about the people you talk to? Did that come up at all? Or is that something that they, they think about when they think of their firearms? You know, just in general, it really wasn't easy getting actually wasn't easy getting people to talk for this story. It was really, really hard. Like most people, I even went down to the Canadian Farm Progress show when it was in Regina uh, to try to like maybe make some contacts and people were just like, oh boy, I don't want to touch that one. One rural guy I did talk to said, you know what, if if you had gone and asked, gone around and asked this question before the Stanley trial, you probably would have had people who had been happy to talk to you, but it's, it's definitely changed after that. I think people are just afraid of how they might be perceived when they talk about this kind of thing. Um, the people who were willing, but people, you know, I did fortunately find people who were willing to talk about it and it's not, some people were a little more willing to talk about it. Some people really don't like to entertain that thought because some people told me like, yeah, I guess so. But they were kind of just to paraphrase, but they're like, that's such a last resort picturing the scenario they would have to be in where they'd have to use that for self-defense. They don't even, they don't want to go there. They don't want to, they really don't enjoy thinking about it right you mm -hmm. know they are like i guess maybe if someone was threatening my family and they were in mortal danger but i don't even want to think about that uh they really don't look at them like that day to day uh another thing that some people did tell me the sentiment i got was they really don't people here don't necessarily want to be 
the people who aren't necessarily big time gun enthusiasts, even the people that are don't really want to be lumped in with Americans because it is a different, like we have a whole story we did that kind of compares American gun culture versus Canadian gun culture. It is very different. And uh, people were eager to point that out. They're like, we aren't exactly the same as the Americans. It's, it, there's a big, you know, don't necessarily just lump us in with them. Yeah. So some people were a little more willing to, to go there. They were like, yeah, I've thought about it, you know. Uh, and But it, it's not something I don't think people enjoy talking about. You know, one guy told me like, you know, look, if you shoot somebody, you've ruined your life. Like he said, even if you think you're in the right, you've, you're going to have to go to court. Like it, it's going to it's not going to be good for your life if you have to do it. So nobody want, nobody's interested in do it. And I think the way he put it was, why would I be interested in doing that? Like, it's just, you know, you're potentially going to end somebody else's life. Mm. You're like lives are at stake, right? Like I actually went to, this isn't totally related to this, but I went to, um, the RCMP had open houses out here recently in rural areas after shortly after the Stanley trial to kind of address concerns about rural crime. And some people brought that question up. What do I do? What do I do if someone's in my yard stealing stuff? And it's not an easy question for the RCMP to answer because every situation is different. Like, you know, my understanding of how it works in Canada is, you know, you can use lethal force as a defense. And if that comes up in your trial, like, you know, when it goes to court, if, if a judge or jury feels like you had reasonable cause yeah, like that could be a defense, but it's not something they can't say, yes, it's okay. Like every situation is different. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, the cops really, the RCMP really caution people about it. They're like, if you want to confront someone, like, think about, think about what you're doing. Like you're in a situation where two, two or more people's lives could change drastically. Uh, do you really want to do that? Is it worth it? Is it, is it someone who's, really threatening your life or is it somebody who came in and is there to like steal some dvds or something like that you know so it's it's a difficult subject to talk about right we'll be right back the national post launched 20 years ago to be a distinctive and surprising voice in the media landscape Though much has changed over the past two decades, what hasn't is the core appeal of a paper dedicated to conservative values, interesting voices, unique perspectives, and a sense of fun. Check out what you've been missing. Get 20% off a one-year subscription to the National Post with promo code HAPPY20. That's HAPPY20. Yeah, and I mean, just even talking about, well, what do people do when someone is there to steal their ATV? It's police forces across the country, especially urban ones. They always tell store clerks and bank clerks, don't play the hero. Um, Your life isn't worth being lost over some money or a piece of property or something like that. Um, But why does that message, do you suppose, not really get translated to rural residents? Like, don't risk your life over your ATV. I get where they're coming from, because you're a long ways away from a police response time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not like living in a city where there's just cameras on every street. You know, I think if you're living out in the, in a far remote place, you're not, you can't expect like it's just the reality like the the cops aren't going to be there in 10 minutes flat yeah like if you're out there so i don't think that's really you know 
telling somebody if you t- if you gave that example to a rural person of like well look this is what they tell store clerks they're gonna be like that's great like that's a store clerk in saskatoon it doesn't help me you know yeah. what i mean like on my acreage that's miles and miles away from a city um you know they're in a different situation and people who you know are the victims of crime just feel like frustrated by it you know uh now that's not to say some people I talked to it wasn't like every person was really worried about that like some people some people were worried and then some people were like you know what I'm pretty fortunate I'm in a good area I'm not really worried about it but it is it's kind of a problem in certain it seemed like from what I talked to it was a problem for certain areas more than it was others depends how bad crime is in your area but I think that's where people are coming from uh and then you get into the whole debate of like okay so yeah the police response isn't good what do you have what do you have the right to do then, right? And then the other frustrating thing I think for people is, and I kind of got the sense when I was at that open house, was that the police can't really give you a straight answer for what you can do because every situation is different. You know, it's not like we have a law that says, yep, they were on your property, you have the right to shoot them. Like, we just don't have that law, right? So they can't tell people what to do. Like, people were saying, what do I do? And they, unfortunately, kind of had to be like, you have to make your own judgment. Like, we can't. We can't give you complete guidance on that because every situation is different. Yeah, and and it it puts the police in a bad place. They can't be counseling people on how to respond to uh, intruders or thieves coming onto their property because it it could put them in a legally sticky situation. Just like I couldn't tell somebody, oh yeah, no, the law says that you can defend your property if you feel threatened. Well, someone could turn around in court and say, yeah, but Dave just told me that I can defend my property if I feel threatened. And, but that's not a, I'm no lawyer. That's not a good legal defense. And I I think that it does put police in a, in a sticky situation. Now we we talked about the Gerald Stanley case. Uh, This was a rural property owner who uh, was acquitted in the shooting death of Colton Bushy, who was on his property with some friends. They said it was after their, their vehicle uh, had a flat tire um, and they went looking for help. Uh, Stanley testified that he thought they were uh, going to steal his SUV, and he testified that he thought his wife may have been run over by uh, by their by their vehicle. Um, and then he said that he fired two warning shots in the air. He had a, there was a third bullet, and testified that uh, a hang fire happened. Um, not to, we don't want to re-litigate the, the case around Gerald Stanley and the death of Colton Bushy, but it raised a, a number of issues, uh, indigenous treatment in the justice system, but it also brought rural crime and the issue of self-defense to the forefront. Um, is that something that is a big concern? Is crime a big concern for the people that you talk to, or is it kind of down the list uh, among other concerns? I think it depends. It depended who I was talking to, really. Uh, It's hard to say. I think it, you know, judging by the amount of interest I see in stories whenever we write about rural crime, I think it definitely is a concern for people in general. Um, You know, I, I, the, the, the whole Stanley trial is mentioned in the story. I knew that I couldn't not mention that i didn't want to like make that the whole the mm-hmm. whole story was about and i was told don't do that because we've already that's we, we've covered that yeah you know but it is kind of an elephant in the room that you have to you just have to bring up you can't you can't not bring that up uh 
you know, people, that's another one where people really aren't too keen to share their opinions on it, you know, because it's, it's such a delicate subject. My brother did not deserve this. And this year, past year and a half has been, has been so difficult. You know, we addressed it. It is, uh, I won't go completely into what everyone said in there so that they can, they can read the story. Because uh, one guy I did talk to is kind of in that area, kind of the bigger area where, where that happened. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. I think, I think some people who saw that situation, who are rural people, like kind of maybe saw themselves in that situation of being like, oh, that. I saw a lot of like in the comments that like when I looked at comments like that could have been me or something like that. You know, um, I realized now obviously that's only one side of the perspective. You know, there were a lot of indigenous people who looked at that story and said that could have been me from the other side of that, right? And that the life of Colton Boucher will not be in vain. And if Canada and Saskatchewan are serious about reconciliation, we want more than words and tears. We want action. Yeah, all around it's a it's a tragic story, right? There's no there's no denying that. Is it a case where people that you spoke with kind of suggested that this is the kind of situation that we worry about when we talk about uh, concerns for our safety? People coming on our property who don't belong there and we don't know them. Was that the kind of thing? not necessarily the the Stanley case specifically, but this just raised the issue for them of what they worry about. Oh yeah. Like people, people, some people are worried about that. Like, you know, one guy described like, what do you, what do you do? Cause it's, you have to put, I think you have to put yourself in the mindset of someone who lives in an isolated place. You know, like when you live in a city, you know, if you really needed to get out of a, it's just different when you live and your neighbors are like miles away. Like it's just, so I think a lot of people do think about that. Like, that's just not a thing you have to think about when you're in a city because, you know, the police are there. You've got so many other people around you. Uh, you're, you're in such a concentrated area. So I think a lot of people looked at that and thought, yeah, like Mm -hmm. that is, in it's on some people's minds more than others i would say like again it depends on the it depends on the person um like i don't you know you can't brush paint everybody with the same brush you know some people i talked to for it it wasn't as forefront in their mind because some people do feel like they have safe areas like not everybody not everybody is like paranoid out there too i think that's the other good thing to say not everyone's like oh god i'm so worried someone's going to come in here some people are Mm -hmm. but some people who told me they're like yeah we've got a pretty we're fortunate to have a good area that doesn't have a lot of crime or anything like that and we feel safe you know um you know some people i talk to like they don't even keep their guns in their house (laughs) like they told me that they're like no it's in the shed like i don't you know, so if they were really like, you know, like that, I think that speaks to like how much to the self-defense thing, right? Like, and to it being a tool, if you're really worried about self-defense, like some of these people don't even keep the gun in the house yeah. where it's reachable, you know? Um, so yeah, like it, it, it you know, it, it is a concern, but I think it also depends on the person. That is something people were looking at though, after, after that case was, I think that plays in the back of your mind. It, I think it's, it's just something you have to put your put a different mindset to you have to view it through a different lens when you live in a city because you don't think of it the same way when you live in a city mm-hmm. that's true um the lines of fire series that you worked on this piece what other ground do you does your newsroom cover in this series uh i think we kind of cover like hunting was one how big the hunting industry is here 
uh, you know, we do get into like kind of, you know, I think a, a good way of looking at it is we covered kind of the legal way guns are used in the province and the illegal way they're used. So, you know, how guns get onto the black market, uh, you know, instances of gun crime in cities, which has gone up a lot uh, in in Regina for sure. Uh, what were some of the other ones? Um, you know, also looking at, uh, and this kind of just is another one that speaks to like it being a part of life is, is female gun owners, which has kind of been on the rise. I think, uh, women also getting into target shooting, getting into hunting, because I think some people kind of view it as a stereotypically guy thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the other, that's the other thing to speak to the rural life thing too, that I didn't get to is whether you're a girl or a guy on on the farm like people who told me you know whose kids some people told me who whose kids had grown up they were like yep we taught our daughters just like we taught our sons you know uh um I, uh, let me just try to think that i'm not leaving uh any other avenues i think that's a good way to divide it up uh is, is the legal ways it's used and the illegal ways and i really don't you know i hope people i think a lot of people can be leery of the media, like some of the response I've already seen, just because the promos we've seen out there, people saying, oh, here we go again. You know, the media is going after legal gun owners. <laughs> uh, and I think they're making that judgment after just seeing like two seconds of the trailer we posted to Facebook, right? But I, you know, I think people, I think we wrote this series not only for people who live in the cities, but for the people who live in the country as well. And we wanted to, at least I wanted to fairly represent people who own guns, who live in the country. Uh, and I hope that comes across in the story. Awesome. And th- those can be found at leaderpost.com. That's right. Yeah. As well as uh, the starphoenix.com, Saskatoon's paper. Excellent. Well, Mark, thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Here's what else is happening. Reaction to the planned shutdown of GM's Oshawa plant spread on Monday. The federal government said it's looking at ways to help the 2,500 workers who will be affected by the closure. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says his government is disappointed about the closure and noted it has invested billions to support the auto industry. Ontario Premier Doug Ford, meanwhile, has asked the feds to extend employment insurance eligibility as it is done for Alberta workers after the oil price crash. The closure, announced Sunday, will take place in December 2019 and comes as the company continues the shift to electric and autonomous vehicles. The Union for the Plants Workers said Monday it will fight the closure. 10.3 is produced by Carson Jarama, edited by Carrie Ann Sproul. Audio from the Star Phoenix and Leader Post. Special thanks to Mark Melnichuk. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>